There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, it's Rick Spence. I'm so excited to let you know that the Startup Women podcast, hosted by Startup Canada's Kayla Isabel, is returning to the Startup Podcast Network in a brand new format that really digs down into the challenges facing Canadian entrepreneurs. Beginning in March 2022, the podcast will air every month and feature a woman-identifying founder as well as an industry topic expert. These stories and voices will connect women entrepreneurs to knowledge, advice, and information that digs deep below the surface to help women entrepreneurs overcome the real barriers they face. We believe you'll find these episodes unique and inspiring. If you do, please share with your friends and business allies. You can hear new episodes every month at startupcan.ca. Under the Listen tab, click on Startup Women Podcast. But also, don't forget about me and my guests as we continue to explore every entrepreneur's personal and business journey. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode of the Startup Canada Podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Cerise Solanders. Cerise is the CEO and founder of Solus Guard, a tech company that offers a suite of workforce safety and loan worker protection solutions to keep employees safe. From employee check-in and check-out software to wearable panic buttons, Cerise's mission is to keep employees safe at work, and it hasn't changed even as SolusGuard solutions have evolved. Prior to SolusGuard, Cerise worked for more than 20 years as a senior executive in the banking and financial services industry. She serves on the board of the Saskatchewan Health Quality Council, and she's a fierce community advocate and a mentor for numerous women-owned businesses. Cerise holds an MBA and a BA, Cerise, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're delighted to have you. And uh, where are we catching you today? Where are you physically? 
in sunny Saskatoon. In sunny Saskatoon. All right. Uh, good to hear. Starting up, the first official question we ask is a way of making sure that our very busy entrepreneurial listeners stay glued to their seats or to their car or whatever and listen to our podcast. So what is the top piece of advice that you hope our listeners and fellow entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation today? Well, I think that there are a lot of myths and misconceptions out there about startups, and I think also a lot of expectations. Um, it seems like that there's only one right path, and it involves either hockey stick charts or unicorns or something like that. And <laughs> I think the reality, though, is that every journey is really different, and the path that you're going to be on may not or will not look like somebody else's. So to focus on your path and what you need to do to keep moving forward. All right. I think that's a, a, a great start, and I want to come back to that uh, a little bit later. But for now, <laughs> let's go to the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your career and how you got into the world of entrepreneurship and involved in the security industry with, with SolusGuard. Yeah, it was all really unexpected and not planned whatsoever. As I've heard of accidental entrepreneurs, but this is one of the best oh, stories you. I've heard. It's just, yeah, it's bizarre. Like you said, I was in the financial services industry. I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm actually doing pretty good in that industry. But then, you know, life throws you a curveball. In this particular case, it was my parents and them becoming elderly and ill and unfortunately my mom passed away and then my dad got sick and I was really looking for a way to keep my dad safe so I just you know I was I didn't know anything about the safety industry didn't know anything about seniors but you're thrust into it and so I was looking at traditional medical alert devices you know the help I fall and I can't get up looking at these devices and thinking man they suck and also my dad would have nothing to do with that so I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way. So I came up with this idea for a way to keep my dad safe. And it was a wearable safety device. And I thought, well, how hard could it be to build a wearable tech company? Spoiler alert, it's really freaking hard, <laughs> like really hard. But I didn't know it at the time. And so I get into this industry, non-technical person, doing my thing, um, I have no clue what I'm doing, but figuring out as I go along. And so my first startup was actually Aura. And so we created a wearable hardware to keep seniors safe. It was more, more modern and it looked good. It, there's a lot of great things about it. So that's really where... Sorry, so, so what was the difference between what you did at Aura and those ads we've, that we've, we've all endured for I've fallen and I can't get up? What, what was the difference? So many. First of all, these things look like garage door openers. And then we put them on seniors and we say, wear this thing, be happy, whatever. And shockingly, they don't wear them. They don't wear them because they don't really work all that great. Um, and there's lots of different reasons. And so we created something that was small. It was discreet. It was respectful for them or is, I shouldn't say was, it's still out there, is. Um, it also is a lot more modern. So you can, as a loved one and a senior, pick who you want those alerts to go to versus a traditional call center. You can have a backup call to 911. There's all these different components that just make it more logical. And we don't charge a bazillion dollars for it. It's, you got it's into a this, one time you got started, so just you did lots well of reasons why it's better. With Aura, and then where does Solus Guard come into the picture? 
Well, what was interesting is here we are with Aura and we are providing these personal safety devices and it's starting to evolve. So it's not just to seniors, but now we're looking to university students and all sorts of different people who are looking to be safe. In fact, our first customer was a real estate agent. And so over time, what was happening is more and more businesses were reaching out to us and government agencies and saying, hey, we need something for people who work alone or in dangerous positions. And it just kept building and building. And that side of the business was growing exponentially. But there were a lot of gaps with Aura that just weren't meeting the need for businesses. So it finally got to the point where it's like, okay, there, we need to focus on businesses. We need to focus on how we can keep these individual people safe and we need to start a second company. And so that's where Solus Guard came out of was um, the genesis of Aura, but building on to pivot to Solus Guard. Fantastic. So just, just run us through some of the solutions that you've come up with at Solus Guard for, for, for safety of employees at work. Well, our core product and the foundation of what we do is our panic buttons, our wearable panic buttons, which we have patented the whole system. And um, it is really best in class so that we start with that. We also, though, have software solutions. So we've got uh, a very robust check-in, check-out software solution. We've got fit-for-duty software. Um, we have satellite extenders. And then on the back end, for organizations that have their own security teams, we provide them with the the web app and mobile app software tools to help to monitor the, their employees if they're in an emergent situation. So it's a full platform, end-to-end -end safety platform for businesses. It's it's funny when when you say, "Hey, our first customer was a real estate agent uh, for for the the wearable," and I think. Well, yeah, that's so obvious <laughs> when you think about it. Sure, I'll meet you in this empty house <laughs> after dark and show you around. Um, the, 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 was that your finding, that there's a lot of people who have put up with uh, risk potentially risky situations that were really, really glad to get an affordable solution that, that took most of that risk away? You know, it's, it's interesting because I think there's a lot of individuals that do work in risky situations where where I guess I was unsure of and, and I've learned a lot along the ways. Of course, this is what you do is you learn when you're an entrepreneur. And one of the things that I learned along the way is that um, there is certainly a difference between individual risk and need and then business risk and need. So yes, there's the individual person who goes out and says, hey, I want to be safer. Um, but then there's the business who's saying, I need to keep my business safe. And I do that by keeping my employees safe. And that's really where we focus. Right. So tell me a little bit about Solus Guard now. What, 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 what is the state of affairs there? How many staff do you have? Who, do you, who are some of the customers whose names we might know, if any? And how's the company growing? Sure. Yeah. So we've got, we're located in um, Saskatoon, Regina, and in Toronto. We've got a, a nice group of employees. Um, we do, we're a unique company in that we own and build our stack end to end. We also have some great contractors out of Quebec that help us with our hardware. So um, it's, it's a pretty cool Canadian success story. Like everything is made and built here in, in Canada, which is pretty cool. We have all sorts of of companies where we're not very specific in terms of our 
uh, vertical. It's not like we only deal with one area. We're across the board. So we have healthcare organization, organizations like um, SHA. We have Saskatchewan Health Authority. We have the federal government, corrections or, or parole. Um, we work with residential property managers, um, Main Street, Avenue Living. We've done pilots and programs with the RCMP, special uh, victim services, um, a number of organizations across Canada and also into the United States. Cool. And, and how, how big a part of your business would uh, the U.S. be right now? It's, you know, it's not huge. And we're actually just in the process of expanding into the United States. It's interesting. And I think a lot of this is driven by... Um, government regulation. So in Canada, we're a bit ahead of the game as it relates to the government saying, hey, businesses, you have a fiduciary responsibility and legal obligation to keep your employees safe. And so a lot of that is driven province to province or, or federally. And so a lot of uptake in Canada, but the United States is starting to, to come along too. And so they're growing and in, as a result, we're going to be growing there. Fantastic. And the, the company as a whole, is it still in a pretty robust growth mode? Oh, yes. Yeah, we're in the scaling stage. We're certainly open for business and open to looking for customers and growing. Absolutely. Fantastic. And how is that for you? You were used to working at a financial institution, probably pretty stable uh, in terms <laughs> of, you know, management and culture and protocols and now you're riding this the, 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 this racehorse. How are you dealing with that as the entrepreneur? Well, it's it starts from the very beginning when you know I had to give up that salary, pension, and benefits. <laughs> you know, because who needs those things? <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, that's that's where it all began. And I don't want to give you the impression either that we've we've made it. We are far from having made it we're still very much a startup and we're dealing with all sorts of fun stuff which i'm sure we'll cover in this podcast but um you know it's some of this there's a, a clearly a ton of things that are radically different the risk profile is completely different you know it's just a totally different animal but a lot of things are the same and you know i go to work every single day and i solve problems and that was the same whether i was at the credit union or whether i'm here it's just that this the stakes feel a little higher when it's your own business and also safety. Mind you, though, I dealt with money before, so that's critical, too. <laughs> right. So maybe I'm just, I don't know, glutton for punishment. I don't know. But at, at a at a big, big institution or a bigger company, you know, when you're solving problems, you have a team and you have <laughs> specialists around you to help you do this. Um, when you're growing, you're encountering problems you didn't know you were going to have. So you don't have those experts on call or, or in the next office. Um, so, so how do you deal with that? How, how do you deal with the, 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 the new surprises? Maybe you called it the fun stuff a minute ago that shows up. Yeah. You just got to be super scrappy because you don't have all of those safety nets to rely on. You can't just go to the finance department and the marketing department and whatever. We don't, we don't have departments you know we have people in these different things and, and there's lots of gaps out there so you learn how to ask for help and you learn how to look for resources and you learn how to do some things yourself I've learned a lot in this job so you just you figure it out 
it's scary and it can be overwhelming and it's really hard, but you just keep taking one foot in front of the other. The other great thing is we belong to a few different incubators and it's awesome being part of communities where they're, because there's tons of organizations that want to help, tons of people who want to mentor. So I've had no problem in going out and saying, hey, I need help with this. And somebody has stepped up 100% of the time. Somebody steps up. That's cool. So one of the the, the, the the issues for many entrepreneurs is knowing when to ask for help. So you you know how to ask for help and you have a community that's supportive. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to give a shout out to any of those incubators or it's members of your support ecosystem? Yeah, absolutely. So I, for, we're super fortunate. In Saskatchewan, we're part of Collabs and um, Cultivator and also part of Communitech and, and Fierce Founders and Communitech. So it's just from, you know, across the country, I just feel so blessed. Now, I associate Communitech with Kitchener-Waterloo, but... You but bet. You don't have to, it sounds like you don't have to be in Kitchener-Waterloo to benefit from Communitech. <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah, I... Um, I was introduced to them uh, a couple of years ago from Steve Woods and he had said, Hey, you know, you need to, you need a bit more help because here in Saskatchewan, the startup startup ecosystem is still pretty um, in much in its infancy. We're doing great and we're growing like bandits, mm -hmm. but it's still, there's not the, the depth. depth isn't and there, depth. Right. That's right. Exactly. And certainly not in the wearable space. Gotta say. So even in Canada and needing help, often means for me going way outside of Saskatchewan. And so I reached out to Communitech some time ago and was really fortunate that they said, hey, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. So that was back in the Aura days. Then I re-engaged uh, recently with Solisgard as part of uh, the Fierce Founders Accelerator Program. And so Communitech has been there with me every step of the way. They want to improve startups and just because I'm physically out here in Saskatchewan doesn't mean anything. Can you give me an example of how they might have helped you from afar? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um quite frankly the mentoring. There's been, you know, a, a some funding, but really without a doubt the most value has been through the connections that I've made and the mentors. So going back to what I said before about looking for help. Well, I've got people like Rod and Heather that are just they're there for me. They know my business. They've been mentoring me every step of the way. I can reach out to them, and it's just been incredible. Fantastic. What 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 what's something that you might have learned from these mentors that you know you would have had to spend a lot of money and make a lot of mistakes to learn otherwise? Well, I already spent a lot of money and made mistakes before I met them. So you mean now? <laughs> There's oh, that's such a ah, what have they told me? You know, there's so many things we meet on a regular basis, like literally weekly for an hour. And, you know, some of the things are obvious for sure, but it's more so the long term. And I, I you know, I don't know how to answer that question because it, it feels invaluable to me. Right. It's, it's just part of your life. Um, and that's cool. But it sounds like it's also it sounds like it also gives you a sense of confidence. You've got this backup team. Yeah, exactly. You're not alone. There's no, yeah. there's no reason to be alone in this space, in the startup world. You just have to keep reaching out. Sometimes you don't always connect with everybody or really, you know, jive with them. But at some point, you'll find somebody who's just as weird as you are, and it'll work out. 
just as weird as you are. I love it. <laughs> Cerise, you mentioned that Solus Guard works with the government of Canada within corrections and, and perhaps beyond. Um, government contracts are something that not many early stage founders uh, know much about or attempt to secure. I think when one thinks of government contracts, one thinks of, I don't know, um, getting in a lineup that never ends and filling out a, line, a stack of forms that never ends. Um, what's your experience been and what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs looking to explore public sector contracts? Yeah, we've been really fortunate to work with governments at every level from municipal all the way through to federal government. And, you know, I, I have to say that federally for sure and, and in Saskatchewan, the governments are really actively supporting entrepreneurs and innovators. They're, they want to work with startups. They, they want to help out. So the appetite is really there. And I encourage any entrepreneur to just start looking because there are tons of programming out there. There's tons of funding and you just have to find it. So that's what, what I did right from the get-go is just actively looked for opportunities and programs um, to, to interact and innovate with the government. So check out your, whether it's in your province or check out federally, there's all sorts of different programs, whether it's um, by industry or just generally. So some examples that I have um, in Saskatchewan, there's the MIST program, which is the Made in Saskatchewan Technology Program, where they match up early stage uh, technology with government agencies. Used to be, we, we did that with the Build Canada Innovation Program federally, but if you go to the Innovation Solutions Canada website, that's where it all is the opportunities are there. They're saying, hey, you're an entrepreneur, you're an innovator. We've got some challenges that you might fit with, or we've got some programs. So it, you just have to be scrappy and go there and look for them and find them. Another one that we participate is the Can Health program. So any startup that's in the healthcare space, it is the healthcare industry looking to innovate with entrepreneurs. So we've got this great environment right now where collaboration is absolutely key. It's like the buzzword and it's up to you to go and take advantage of it. And then the other thing I said is just good old fashioned networking, calling people, asking for referrals, like just get out there, put yourself out there. And, and I think you'll be surprised to see what's there. Right. Can you tell me any, any more specifically about the, the contracts you got with Corrections Canada? I mean, not mm -hmm. to pick on them or anything, but just to understand, you know, what was the opportunity? Who was the first to spy it? And sort of how long did it take to pull it all together? Oh, yeah. So that was back um, when it was the Build Canada Innovation Program. Uh, I think I think the name has changed. Not sure um, where that's at today. But essentially, it was a program where the federal government said, hey, if you have a new technology and it essentially gets approved by us in this program, then we will match make you with uh, one of the government departments that could use your product. And so when we first went into the program, our first organization that we worked with actually, which was with schools, and it was to help to keep the, the teachers and the people working in the school safe. So that's where we did our first individual pilot. But back then, I reached out to as many federal government agencies that I could. So Corrections was one of them. But I reached out to a whole bunch and said, hey, we're part of this program. Um, this is what we're doing. Would you be interested in us? And Corrections at the time had said, not now. So 
part of the BCIP program was you could then do follow-on contracts and innovate with them. And so when we did the the initial pilot with the schools, we were done with that and we were going out again, I reached out again and the timing was better for corrections. The timing was right for them. The timing was right for us. And we did uh, a few projects with them. It was long. It's hard, um, but it was also lucrative. There's a decent amount of money involved in it, and it allowed us to innovate with them. So we were able to build solutions with corrections that we now sell to other organizations as well. So it was a win-win for for both of us, for sure. That's fantastic. Can you tell us more about the solution you actually created for them? Are we keeping the guards safe, uh, the the inmates safe, Mm. both? This is for the parole officers. So these are for the people that go out into the community and do those meetings with the parole, the federal parolees. Um, That's who we work with. And that is really our sweet spot is anybody who goes out into the community. Um, So they had, they were using, of course, our panic buttons, uh, check-in solutions, but also um, we helped to build a solution for their back-end security and operations center as well. Right. Okay. And just to give the, the context, um, the Build in Canada Innovation Program is now Innovative Solutions Canada, if you want to look that up and get more, more information about that. Uh, they, it, it's, it's in the Constitution that they have to change the name every four years to reduce demand. So uh, it's, as, as you said, you got to be scrappy to figure this yes. stuff out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Don't expect somebody to come and present it to you and say, this is what you should do. Go out there and find it. But if you do take the time and effort, and these applications are brutal, brutal. I remember this one taking me a hundred hours, two of us taking a hundred hours to do it. But the benefits that you can get from it are significant. Perfect. Um, So scrappiness and stick-to-itiveness, and that'll do it. Um. Another question for you. Obviously, the, the the economy is always changing. The way we work is always changing. There's there's new focuses now on remote work and virtual technologies and distributed teams. So how does that affect uh, the future of Solos Guard? It's been great for us because more and more people are working alone more and more people are in in dangerous and risky situations so we we're built for this and this is really where we excel and if anything i i see this as an ability or a way for us to continually evolve and innovate to meet customers needs uh, for example the saskatchewan health authority and, and working with them to build their fit for work solutions we were piloting um their our core products for their mental health and addictions workers, community workers, home care nurses. Um, But then the pandemic hit and all this stuff hit the fan. And then they needed ways to, you know, ensure that staff could get into work more easily. So we innovated and created that uh, product in conjunction with them. So um, just looking for those opportunities and being able to respond as quickly as possible. And that's really the, as everybody's, everybody says as many people say is one of the benefits of being a startup is that we should be able to move quickly absolutely um the speed is 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 so important and especially when there when there are so many opportunities so many um workplace situations that are changing and where the the technology just hasn't kept up do you have a favorite 
customer story about uh, a, an individual or an organization that you work with uh, where your solutions, your technology have made a difference? I feel like you're asking me to pick my favorite child. <laughs> well, okay, pick pick two then. We'll solve that problem easily. <laughs> Lucky for me, I don't have kids. But anyways, um, you know what's interesting is that um, our business is such that we actually hope you never use it. It's really strange, right? We put it out there, but we don't hope you never use it because that means that something has happened. But hopefully the presence of this technology helps deter it from happening in the first place. Exactly. The other interesting thing is, unlike a lot of companies, we actually don't, we don't know when the customer uses our product. And they oftentimes don't want anybody to know mm -hmm. that it's been in use. So every once in a while, when we're talking to um the customer, whether that's the user of the product or whether that's the our champion that we work with, we'll be talking with them about something just totally different, random, just our regular business stuff. And they'll say, oh, by the way, we had an incident and this is what happened and it saved this person's life. And I have to tell you, that happens on a fairly regular basis. And it's it's bittersweet because on the one hand, you're like, oh, dang, that that's horrible to hear. Right. But on the other hand, I feel we feel so proud in those moments where we're like, yeah, this is what we're meant to do. So I am really fortunate that we, we've had that experience time and time again with many, many different customers. And it, every time we hear it, it, it feels like the first time. Yeah, I mean, that, that must be incredibly inspiring and energizing to, to hear those stories. Um, Absolutely. And I understand why you can't then turn around and say, hey, will you give us a testimonial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so strange that way. We, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but well, considering you couldn't answer the question the way I phrased it, you did a great job. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I felt the tension rising as you, as you, as you told that story. And I, I totally uh, get where you're, where you're coming from on that. Um Tell me a little bit about onboarding. You you have a product that is um, that that individuals are going to use when they're alone, um, and they have to be able to know how to use it and what it's for and everything. So how do you make sure? And and you have no visibility into um, how it's used or when it's used. So how does a company like Solus Guard make sure that the that, that its users are properly informed and educated and trained in how to use the product to do what it's meant to do. Absolutely. This, this is serious stuff. We're here to help keep people safe. Um, these are people's lives that we're talking about, and we have to get it right. So we take this incredibly seriously. Um, the, the thing that we do right off the bat, and we we do deal with organizations of all sizes, but generally larger organizations. The very first thing that we do is we work with the organization to find a champion in that organization. So the champion is the person that our onboarding and customer success team is going to, to work with all the time. So the person that I talk to is very different than the champion, um, but the champion will make or break 
onboarding because we we can do what we can on our end, but we need the organization to meet us halfway. We can provide them with the tools, the processes and all of that, but we need that champion to ensure in the organization that they're integrating it and that they're embracing it and that they're, you know, giving us feedback. So that insight. So the champion first and foremost is the the most important thing part of the whole onboarding process. The second thing I would say is starting small um, where, and we've made the mistake and sometimes we repeat it where we just try to blanket put, put this in place throughout the organization. That doesn't work so good. The first thing is to start small with a small group of people. And it's interesting, all the different things that you're going to learn about it, whether that's their internal processes and culture, whether that's uh, technical, maybe it's firewalls or it's the app or it's their IT department that doesn't allow for certain downloads. I mean, there's lots of little things that you want to fix and get figured out before you roll it out to the whole of the organization. Because if you if you don't, like it, ha- it can fall flat on its face, you know, start off on the wrong foot, bad taste in people's mouth, all of that sort of stuff. So working out those kinks, getting buy-in, you know, getting those people engaged in it. And then when everything is in place, then we expand it. And it's all, again, all wrapped around communication. So those are just some tips that we do. Right. And what have you learned about the 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 care and feeding of those champions, the people who who brought you in and are responsible for successful deployment and are obviously very busy and doing a lot of other things yes. at the same time? Um, we've learned quite a few different things about them for sure. Um, and everyone is a little bit different. Sometimes, like you said, they've got lots on their plate and this is maybe something they're doing on the side. So we have to respect that they're super busy and, and how do we make their lives as easy as possible? Sometimes though, we find that the champion has been given this opportunity and they've got this full-time job to work with us and it's an opportunity for them to shine in their company. So then we look at it from the perspective of us, okay, let's not screw it up because then this is going to impact them or even better. How do we, how do we make them shine, help them shine? How do we show that in their organization that they can really implement something great that has a, such a profound impact on their workplace? That's cool. Would you have any advice for other entrepreneurs as to how they could sort of identify and recognize champions in the companies that they're trying to sell to? Well, if they're not already doing it and and they're a B2B company like this, they they need to do it. And this isn't our idea. I learned this from one of my mentors. Um, But it's just, it's so critically important. So finding the right person, we, and so what we do is our lead person that we probably sold the product to sometimes they're the champion and sometimes they're not and we spend a lot of time describing who who makes a good champion it's not necessarily somebody who's just really technical it's not the it department necessarily or it's not this or that but we talk about who would be good um, from our perspective and what would you know constitute a good champion and then they start thinking about it and they work on it internally to figure out who who that might be every once in a while we get a couple people Every once in a while, the champion comes and goes. It really just depends. Right. So are you the one who, uh, does Solus Guard create the, implant the idea of a champion in in, in the customer's mind? I, I was thinking more that it was sort of a generic term for anyone who sort of, uh, 
bought it, bought into the, the product and decided it was worth deploying. But is it actually a position that you sort of nudge the client companies into developing? Um, it's really, it depends on the company. We, it's, it's sometimes we're like really pleasantly surprised when the company comes forward. They may not call them champion. They might have a different name for it, but they come forward and say, okay, this is going to be your contact with us. And this is who's going to lead the project. So those are some words that they'll probably use that translate into champion that, that we use. So oftentimes the company's already kind of got that figure it out. And the larger the organization, the more likely that that's the case. And in fact, they will have dedicated people or they'll have a team of people. Um, if they don't, that's when we start to encourage this person and hoping that they can make that happen or a group of people. Right. And how do you do that? I mean, you're trying to, as I say, sort of implant this idea into that for this system to work, for us, the way it's planned, we really need you to um, empower someone as this champion. We call it a champion. Yeah. That's what we do. We say right out front, this, in, you know, there is a process to getting this involved. We want you to maximize the value. We don't want people to buy products for us from, from us and have it sit on the shelf. That's yeah, we're getting paid, but that's of no value to anyone. And so we want you to be as successful as possible in this process. And what we found in our experience is that the most successful organizations are the ones who have a champion. Right. And so when we put it in this way, they're all on board. I love the idea that if they don't have a champion, though, you're you're nudging them. <laughs> you're pushing them to develop. Oh, absolutely. Because it's as, as a, a small supplier... Uh, you know, a supplier of niche items to a company. It's so easy to get lost, forgotten, neglected. And so you're putting a safeguard in there from the beginning to try and prevent that from happening. Yeah, that, that, that's that's fabulous. What do you see as the future? What, what, what kind of products are you working or services are you working on now? So it's been, it's been quite the year for us. We were hit like right between the eyes with the whole global chip shortage and it's it's had an impact to us um and it's forced us to not forced us but encouraged us nudged us that there that there goes that word again to um continue to innovate we innovate with our customers primarily as i said uh, we've innovated with corrections we've innovated with sha we've innovated as we've gone along um and so we're just this is really where we're at we need to continue to innovate. We can need to continue to look for um, the, the problems that are out there that need a solution like ours and how we can build on the foundation of our platform and really, really make a difference in people's lives. So that's what we're doing now is just going back to our customers saying, hey, what other problems do you have in this space and, and how can we help? Are there some trends you're seeing, though, that uh, that that, that uh, looking towards new products or services or industries? Yeah, some of the trends that we're, we're seeing is in terms of um, integrations. That's and maybe that's not so innovative, but, you know, companies, one of the reasons why companies like us is because we've got one platform, we've got all these different products and services, but at the same time, they say, well, we this needs to integrate with our um, administration or it needs to integrate with our outlook or it needs to integrate with another software program that we have. Um, so and all of this is to keep it as simple and 
straightforward for the employees. They need to focus on their job. They don't need to focus on our product or somebody else's product. So some of the innovation, I think, and the trends that I see us going to is, is looking for those collaboration opportunities, opportunities with organizations that they don't compete with us, but they kind of bump up against us. And so, you know, there's a, there's a few different ones out there that we're currently in discussion with today. You say they don't quite compete. Um, how do you decide <laughs> whether something's going to be a partnership or a competition? Well, an example would be, say, scheduling. There's lots of different scheduling companies out there um, and our, where our check-in, check-out service could really benefit from you know, much better scheduling component of it. And so we look to a scheduling company and say, okay, well, because we could we could build that ourselves, but in some industries, there's really good solutions out there. So maybe that's a place that we can go. And we've seen them dabbling in the safety space, um, but dabbling isn't recommended as it relates to people's safety. So they can see the value of working with a safety company like us, and we see value in working with a scheduling company like them, for an example. Right. Okay. I'm going to ask you the five-year question now that no entrepreneur can answer, but yeah. I always try to. So things go well and continue, uh, and, and, and you know, your hunches and guesses and nudges are right. What do you think SolusGuard will look like in five years? There's a tsunami going on right now between um, the growth of, of the safety industry, absolutely, um, and the need that is out there in terms of people working alone, increasing violence in the workplace, and all of that. So this ind industry is actually on fire. What's interesting, interesting is that there's no one major player out there. There's a companies that do little bits here and there, uh, but there's really no one organization that owns a space in North America. UK is a little bit different. And I think where we can benefit uh, or where we differentiate is the fact that we do own our products from end to end. We do have best in class. We do have patents. We have a lot of things out there and um, we're growing and we're scaling. And I think we are going to be the dominant player. Fantastic. That's what I like to hear. That's pretty scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear that. So we have been chatting today with Cerise Salanders, CEO of Solus Guard from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, if that's not enough S's for you. Um, it's an amazing story. It's I, I love accidental entrepreneur stories, and, 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 and this is one of the best. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, the work you've been doing the lives you've been saving because let's get serious that's what you do and uh your approach to business is 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 is, is fabulous tell me a little bit about how, working with other women entrepreneurs i would if i was a, any kind of entrepreneur i would love to have you as a mentor what's your message to them uh yeah i i, I love working with women entrepreneurs and i'll tell you why it's because every single every single woman entrepreneur that i've ever ever worked with is working on something that stems from a real problem or need that they've had in their life it's not that they've built something and then they're trying to look for a problem it's like i had this problem and now i'm going to solve it and i just i i love that about uh, women entrepreneurs and uh, that i think they're always maybe not always, they're often surprised by another women entrepreneur wanting to 
genuinely engage and help them out. And I, I think we're extremely powerful when we work together. Um, words of wisdom, whether that's for for them or men or whomever in this space is, is I think though that not every journey is the same. I, it seems like we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And as women, we're notorious for doing that. Um, and when we do that, we, we're we like, hey, is it, aren't I supposed to look like this? Isn't it supposed to go that way? And that's absolute BS. And and also, as we go along, we get this conflicting advice. It's another thing like, you're supposed to fail fast. Or wait, aren't you supposed to be resilient? And it's like, ah, it's just, it's it's mind-blowing. And I, I don't think we're supposed to be anything. I don't think we're supposed to do, to do anything. I think this is, there's no specific rule book or playbook to follow. You just have to find your own way, find your own path. It's that resilience and greediness that we talked about before. And your path might take longer like mine. It may look differently than everyone else's. It, it doesn't matter. Just keep going. Fantastic. Congratulations on the path that you've carved out for yourself and the work you're doing with other entrepreneurs. Uh, we need more and more entrepreneurs because we have so many problems in, in society and business and work. And uh, congratulations on everything you've done to try and, 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 and pull this together for the, for the lone workers, which is a category I hadn't really realized was a category before. Um, but obviously <laughs> the, uh, the need is great and uh, it's a great story to hear. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you, Cerise. We will talk again. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence. <laughs>